This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, this is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by her, her the Robin to her Batman of the garden. <laughs> I'm Dean Holland. And uh, how are you this morning, Charlie? I'm wonderful. It's a bit of a gray day here, but it's great temperature for gardening. And boy, lots to talk about there because uh, there's lots going on in the in the autumn garden. Yeah. Welcome to October. Uh, so why don't here you t- do the numbers? I got a few announcements, and maybe okay. we can get into some of the things that are going on great. as we yeah, move yeah. through the show. For sure, you got it. Uh, the numbers to call, and we would love if you would do that. And uh, the lines are open. Four one six nine. Sorry, four one six three six zero. What am I talking about? Zero seven four zero. That's the Toronto number. Okay, I'll say that again. Four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. Or toll free anywhere in the province of Ontario. It's one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. And of course, let Carlos know if you are a first time caller, and you will get those garden wings. And Beautiful. we want you to call often. We love it if you call often. We love it if you call early. And please, 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 so I don't have to play, you know, a bad cop, you know, please, one question per call. We would love that, okay? So you got a couple of announcements, Charlie? Things are happening. Uh, oh, things are happening. Like I say, it's it's autumn in the garden, and, you know, the busiest time in the garden is really the spring and the fall. I've This has become super clear to me this past summer, actually, because he, where I live – it tends to be very hot and very dry through July, all of July, but most of August. So I've realized that, you know, here where I live, and it's going to work out well, actually, garden every spring, garden every fall, and go to the beach all summer. Oh, nice. We, that is a great, great plan. I like That's that gardening my plan. schedule. Put that in that gardening journal you were talking about. Exactly. Well, you know, you can't garden when it's so hot and so dry. I mean, you can't even pull a weed here when it's hot and dry. You know, the ground is like concrete. So just go to the beach. Worry about yeah. it later. Well, and, um, you, and you've said on a number of occasions, too, that during the summer, when it is that hot, you, you really it's not a good time to prune or do anything like that because it's really hard on the plants. No, and of course, I would water if I had enough water. So since I don't, that's my excuse. I'm going Fair to the beach. <laughs> there you go. There's lots of water there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, can't no water to shower here, so that's where the lake comes in handy. No, sure. uh, I'm kidding. That's a bit extreme, but you know what I'm saying. So listen, a couple things. Put this on your calendar, October the 11th. If you're anywhere in the Norwood area, I will be on site at the Norwood um, Horticultural Society. They're having their 30th anniversary, which is always fun when it's a big event. Uh, The um, event starts at 7 p.m., and they meet at 27 King Street in Norwood. So that's October 11th. Meanwhile, 
Monday, October 3rd, so of course two days from now, the Agent Court Garden Club will be having their monthly meeting. And of course, timely, the, uh, the scheduled speaker will be talking about how to put your garden to bed. Uh, they meet at the Knox United Christian Education Center, which, of course, is 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. Uh, so there's and of course, they've had a big uh, everybody's getting into the flower shows because um, we haven't had those in uh, in person meetings for so long. And uh, so there's going to be a, uh, awards, et cetera, from the uh, um, flower show, the huge uh, flower show that the Asian Court Garden Club hosted last time. Another one to put on your calendar is the Burlington Hort Society. They've got a perennial uh, plant sale uh, next October the 8th, so a week today. They're doing this in partnership with the Halton Environmental Network. The event is taking place at 662 Guelph Line in Burlington. The sale starts at 8 a.m. It will go until Roughly 2 p.m., unless it sells out before that. Free admission, of course. And uh, do, uh, if you get a chance, check it out. Because it's always cool to check out what's what's in some of these plant sales that the Hort Society's put on. They've always got some neat and interesting plants for very good prices. Yeah, and it sounds to me like that event is a perennial favorite. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> yes, yes. I only see it, but I heard it. <laughs> you heard it, okay. Uh, listen, the lines have lit up. We do have callers on the line, but I have to take my first break. So we'll, we will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, this is Zuma Radio, and this is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. I'm Dean Holland. And, uh, Charlie, let's go right to the phone lines because they have been lighting up, and we, uh, we're we going to talk to Terry now in Hamilton. Welcome to The Garden Show, Terry. Good morning to you both. Morning. Good morning. What do you got for Charlie there, Terry? Sorry? What have you got for Charlie? What question have you got? My question for you today is I have a very large hibiscus tree, and it has had a very good season of growing outside and I staged it, bringing it in, starting within the garage in the evenings. So now it has come in the house, and it is too large for its space. And I'm wondering if it is okay to prune it back. It is in bloom, so I could possibly wait until it's done blooming. Um, but I need to trim it back considerably. Yeah, I hear you. That does happen. Uh, one option, of course, would be to just sell your house and get a bigger house, right? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> Because you hate to trim a hibiscus when it's in bloom because, of course, the blooms are all on the tips. If yes. you can avoid uh, trimming it until it's finished blooming, I would do that just to enjoy uh, the beauty of the flowers. Uh, but, yes, you're right. Trimming back is required. And mark this on your calendar. <clears throat> For now, see, I wouldn't do a hard trimming at this time of year. So trim it just enough so that it's comfortable in the space that you have it in your home, mm -hmm. which I assume is a sunny patio door some bright spot and yes. uh you know keep it happy through the winter avoid drafts of course no hot drafts no cold drafts but 
by about the middle of March is when you're going to get out your sharp pruners and you're really going to cut it back. And at that point, you can bring it back by even a half if you want to. Like you can do quite a hard pruning and that's the time to do it. Because if you prune in early spring, then it'll grow beautiful all spring and summer and it'll still be a reasonable size when you bring it in in the fall. Perfect. Thank you very much for that. Okay. You're very welcome. Thanks Thank for you, calling. Jerry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to get a bigger house, not that my house is huge, but I could always come pick it up because it sounds beautiful. <laughs> I'd be okay with a bigger house and more plants, but I don't think my husband would. No. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Well, enjoy it. It sounds sounds beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Terry. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's go to uh, Greg in uh, Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Greg. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Morning. Oh, we're well. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, my question is, um, I have a boxwood that's outside. The boxwood suffered some, what I've done in my research, and says boxwood blight. Uh, there's a lot of dead on it, so we recently cut it back. Um, there is a hue that is behind the boxwood that is enormous. Can I trim that hue now, or do I? is that going to suffer through the, if I do do it now, is that going to suffer through the winter, and should I wait then, therefore, to the spring? Do, can you tell me what kind of tree? Uh, uh, just a hue. Uh, it's, it's more of a shrub hue. Oh, a, a hue. Um, you, okay. Yeah. Now, now, you said blight. Are you sure that you aren't struggling with what's called the box tree moth? Um, regardless if I was suffering or did or not, I thought it was a weekend. I tore it out last weekend. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. So you took out the boxwood. I did take out the boxwood. So oh, okay. Just the, it's the Y. I guess it's Y E H. Yeah, Y E H Y E W hue. Yes. Yeah. So correctly. that's what's yeah. behind it. Um, yeah. you can, <clears throat> if you need to, like if it's really uh unsightly or or uh interfering with something, you can do some trimming on the U now. I wouldn't do anything too like hard pruning or radical pruning now, <clears throat> but you can, you know, tip prune some of the plant you're in toronto see what happens is when we trim plants particularly evergreens at this time of year if we get warm weather you know grow it's, plants are still awake and alive and growing <clears throat> you you may end up with new growth on the you if you do that new those new tips those soft little green tips that will start to grow are very susceptible to being frosted off or frozen this winter because they're so tender, which is why we tr if you're going to trim in the fall, do it as late as you can. Like if you can wait a couple of weeks, I would do that and do whatever tip pruning you want then. But if you really want to shape up the U and give it a proper haircut and prune it down and remove, you know, as literally as much as you want uh wait till spring do that more when it's actively growing so that's more kind of mid-may late may early june um but yeah sometimes we just have to shape things up because they they look silly or they're unbalanced or they're interfering with something great i uh, thank you very much charlie dean have a good weekend you as well yeah you as well yeah thanks, thanks so much calling, greg. greg yeah yeah i'm just looking down the uh, uh at my sheet there and i can see that the uh, the gentlemen are calling fast ah, and furious this true, morning true. We, we have noted in past weeks that sometimes it's entirely the ladies yeah. and so uh but uh, whether you are a lady or a gentleman and regardless of your age and whether it's a question for indoor or outdoor we would love to hear from you and the numbers once again uh 416 360 
1-866-740-0740 or anywhere toll-free in the province, 1-866-740-4740. Have to take our next break, but uh, we will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here with The Garden Show uh, with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, we're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to Tom now. Yeah, we're going, uh, we're going south of the border here. We've got Tom calling from Buffalo, New York. Welcome to The Garden Show, Tom. Love your show. Love your show. It's very important. Thank you. Um, my question is about peonies. I have four cow rosen peonies in two-gallon pots, and oh. I don't want to plant them until next spring. How do I winter them over? Do you have open land where you could just bury the pots for the winter? I thought about doing that. I thought about putting them in my compost pile. Mm, too mm-hmm. hot. That uh, compost pot, hot uh, piles of heat in them, so you don't. I wouldn't do that if you can avoid it. Uh, better if you can to just like if you have a vegetable garden or somewhere where it's open in the winter, you can just bang them in pot to pot. Yeah, yeah I could. Yeah, if I you could have room, that. that would work. What's that? Sorry, I said that would work. Right, uh, doing that. Absolutely. The best way to overwinter, it happens all the time where we buy great plants and or we're yeah. given great plants and we can't actually plant them in the fall. So you can't leave the plant in the pot above ground in Buffalo or anywhere in Ontario because it will not survive. The, the pot will freeze solid, the roots will freeze solid, and the plant will die. So you've got to insulate that plant. And the easiest way by far is to just bury it pot and all just you know right to the literally to the top of the pot and you know throw some leaves on top and they're you know dig them all up in the spring that works really well sometimes though people just don't have anywhere to plant pots so mm-hmm. you can sometimes if you have a real kind of a, a sheltered corner around your home some little microclimate that faces east where there's less wind uh and then you place all the pots there and I've done this before with you know straw bales or bags green garbage bags filled with dried up leaves and just create a little bit of a, a warmth environment not warm but at least not as cold as the actual outside temperatures and where you are snow is pretty endemic so snow helps as well with insulation but planting the pots is by far the easiest right um in a garage? What would you think about putting them in a garage? There's the problem with the garage is that garage, unless it's a fully insulated garage, it right. will likely freeze inside your garage as well. Because we always get those cold nights in like January where, you know, it's a good 10, 15, 20 below zero Celsius. And, and then inside a garage, it's a good 5 or 10 below zero inside the garage. And they will freeze if it's that cold as well. Right. Okay. Well, then uh, okay. my best thing to do is dig some holes and put them in the, uh, uh, up to the uh, top of their pots. Yeah, that'll, yeah, that'll... and just you can always use compost on the surface or it, it, with your other, you know, as kind of amending your soil. Like if you want to empty some stuff out of the composter, but don't go directly into the compost because it's just too hot, and that yeah, will keep yeah. the peonies from going dormant, and you want them to go dormant. Right. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank yeah, thanks, Tom. Calling. 
Gotcha. Um, I think I may have mentioned on a past program, uh, Charlie, uh, when we lived in Hamilton, which is where my wife and I are both from, we had a neighbor who uh, would bury his fig trees every year. He would oh, lay yeah. them down in like a in I what I almost like a, a grave kind of thing and mm-hmm. cover them with boards, cover them with dirt, and then he'd bring <laughs> them back up every year. And he got figs every year. Right. But in order to be able to do that, he had to actually slice half of the roots he of did. the tree and yeah. then you tilt it over like you dig a trench and yes. you tilt it over into the trench having severed half of the roots and then of course like you say lift it back up in the spring and then roots will grow again and it's quite a lot of work but people yeah. do that so one way you can keep a standard rose tree alive you know the the single stem with ro- roses growing yes. on the top it's the only way you can keep those alive over the winter gotcha. in most of ontario mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, let's go to Ray now in uh, Jordan Station. Uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Ray. I hope you're doing well this morning. Good morning, and thank you for taking the call. Uh, Charlie, I got a little problem here. I cannot give you the name of the plant. I can tell you it's a vine. It has blue flowers on it. They look like grapes when they're hanging down. The problem we're having is this one has not flowered. It has been in place since we moved it from the side of the house for almost 30 years. It grows very well. It climbs into every tree that it can reach. (laughs) It has on the, um, it's it's supported with a four-inch steel post that's about 20 feet tall. It grows very nice vertically has no way to go horizontally. And uh, there are a number of them around in Jordan Station that neighbors have, but when they grow vertically, or I'm sorry, horizontally, they seem to flower quite well. Better. This particular plant has about 15 stalks wrapped around the steel post, and each stalk is anywhere between 2 to 4 inches in size. Wow. Okay. But I can't, so I can't tell you the name of it. It's it's sweet I can. smelling. It's not it, a sweet pea or anything like that. No, it's called wisteria with a W, W I S as in Sam, T as in Tom, E R I A. Wisteria. Beautiful, oh, beautiful plants. Very, very popular. Everybody loves them because they're gorgeous when they're flowering but they can be a little bit troublesome to get them to flower. And 30 years, boy, have you, are you ever a patient person uh, to wait for it to flower. Um, the, uh, so getting them to, to flower can be a bit tricky. And then, like you said, like, like four-inch stalks. Like, like this is a serious plant. Like this is like a jungle-like plant that uh, you know, should probably be featured. It looks like a jungle. In- I just trimmed it to keep it off the red maple. Uh, yeah, yesterday. good idea. So, okay, here's the... the the rule of thumb, but you, but I've given you the name wisteria, and it's certainly something that if you can Google it, there's lots and lots of information on the web. Pruning wisteria is part of the battle, and pr- you have to prune consistently starting in late winter. And what you do is in late winter, so, you know, what February, where you are, probably February, early March, remove at least half 
of the prior year's growth, <clears throat> leaving just a few buds per stem. So if you haven't done a lot of pruning and it's been there for 30 years and it grew a lot this year, that's a job right there. So you would do that late winter on a nice dry day, preferably when the sun is shining, but it'll be cool and everything's still dormant. So removing half of like this year, 2022 year's growth. And then uh, throughout the summer, like it should flower after that hard pruning. You, sh you should expect some flowers. You should leave a few buds per stem. So each of those new stems, new growth, by cutting it back by half, you're going to be leaving about like you know half of this year's growth. That flowers should grow on those on that growth. Then you can, after it flowers, prune again. But again, you are going to have to keep cutting back all the shoots because it grows like a foot a day. So just keep cutting back all those shoots about every two weeks all summer to keep it under control. Do not let it get onto your red maple or any other plants because it will it's not a parasite it won't kill them on purpose it'll only kill them because it's using those trees as something to, to grow on and of course it'll wrap and and strangle other plants let me just suggest to you that when it grew next to the house it tangled into the eave troughs it got uh uh under the soffit boards it pulled at the grief stuff and when we moved part of the house, we took this plant out, and that's 30, 35 years ago. It took quite a while for it to come back, but as I say, since it's moved from the house, and it was very pretty hanging on the house, it has just, it has maybe 10 blooms on it in a year, and it should right. be a mass of blooms. Does it have yeah. to run vertical or horizontal? I well, as you've pointed out, if the more horizontal it goes, the more blooms you will have. So that is a challenge. That's why people will often grow them over top of a, a gazebo, as an example, or on a wall like you did on your, your house. But it is a very invasive plant. It's super popular because it's so pretty, but it's a huge, I would say it's a huge pain in the ass because it's, it's big, it grows fast, it's invasive into your house, uh, and it can be very green and not very colorful because, you know, keep all fertilizers away from it. Do not give it any kind of food because you're going to just speed up more green growth. So, yeah, it's a, if there's any way you can train it to the, to the horizontal, yes, no question, you will have more blooms. Ma'am, you've been very helpful. I thank you for the name. We were lost to know, had lost a long time ago <laughs> what the heck to call the thing. But uh, we'll look after what you said to do to it, and uh, it's yeah. going to get a severe haircut, that's all. Exactly. <laughs> Good luck with that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Ray. Well, look at you, detective at large there. You know, <laughs> what the heck have I got in my backyard taking over I, my property? Oh, so I, you know what? As soon as he said purple flowers hangs like grapes oh. and it doesn't flower and it's taking over, it's like, oh, I know what that is. You knew what that is. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, let's put your keep your detective on for a second because I've got an email here from Carolyn. Uh, she says she's tried to identify this insect. She sent you a picture. Uh, she says, "Do you know what it is? It looks kind of like a ladybug, but in the shape, uh, the shape is more elongated." She says she found it on her Rose of Sharon. It is also along the side of their walkway. Hundreds of them. And she has never seen them in past years. And she also wants to know if they're harmful to the plants in the gardens. So again, that's from Carolyn. 
Right. So what she, it's funny, she has never seen them. This is not that uncommon of an insect. It's called a box elder bug. It does look very similar to ladybug beetles, but as she notes, they're not, these are not round insects. They're elongated, oval-shaped. So where do you find them? Well, in the fall, they are attracted to the warm sides of any building, like your house. They will cluster all over those warm walls. Uh, and, of course, why are they doing that? Because they're looking for cracks and crannies to get inside your house because it's ni much nicer inside than outside as winter's coming. And these insects are not stupid. They, they would much rather uh, spend the winter and hibernate inside than outside. So just be aware of that, that it, on the warm sides, well, anywhere in your house, always in the fall, do a walk around. Look for any opportunities where insects and, of course, those crazy little chipmunks and mice and squirrels, all, they all want to come in for the winter if we invite them in. So look for those cracks and crannies and seal them up. Don't allow any of these little varmints inside because, you know, you're kind of stuck with them uh, all winter. And then, of course, they can be a challenge to get out. They do not cause damage to your house, these box elder bugs. They do not cause harm to plants. They are just, like I say, just looking for a nice, a nice winter spot. When If they do get into your house and you say, oh, no, it's so ugly, and then you squish them, they smell really bad. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Try not to squish them. Um, if just you do, yeah, scoop them careful. up, toss them outside. Exactly. Just do a scoop and, and toss. Uh, um, yes, indeed. You can also use an insecticide, obviously, like a, a soap solution, that sort of thing, uh, in the spring. If one gets in and then, of course, eggs are laid and babies emerge, you can use soap. Uh, many people will use a shop vacuum in that situation too and just vacuum them up if they do uh, really emerge in the spring. I had that happen once with earwigs where a whole mm. nest of earwigs uh, suddenly burst forth from the nest and there was like 2,000 baby earwigs in my, oh my goodness. TV room. Yeah. Holy. And they are so smart too. Eh? You, you stomp around, you get out your swatters and you start swatting and squishing and it looks like they're all dead and then you stop for a couple minutes, they look around and then they all start moving again. Oh my it's, goodness. It's amazing. So it, it came down to the vacuum. There was no other way to deal with them. It was like, off you go into the vacuum. Gotcha. Okay, going to give that num the numbers out again uh, from Toronto, anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740, or toll-free anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go now to Burlington. We have Alice on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Alice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I must tell you, uh, this morning I called right away as soon as you come on the line, I got through, and my excitement, I cut myself off, so I'm here again. <laughs> well, thanks for calling anyway, twice. <laughs> I want to, or would like to plant a snowball bush in my yard, and I've been looking at them, and I kind of zeroed in on one, it's called uh, Japanese snowball. Uh, is that okay, or is there a kind that's better to grow here? Uh, okay, so interesting term, snowball bush, because snowball refers to the flowers. Um, there are two completely different shrubs called snowballs. Uh -huh. The one you're talking about, the Japanese snowball, is the proper name is viburnum. So V as in Victor, I, B as in Bob. 
U-R-N-U-M. It's a viburnum. It's lovely. It beautiful flowers, uh, great fruit. The um, birds love the fruit. Uh, hi, another name is high bush cranberry for the Jap- Japanese snowball. So if that's your time out, yes, lovely plant. It does get big. It needs full sun, but it's mm-hmm. also very susceptible to an insect called the viburnum leaf beetle. So if you're going to get this plant, you're going to have to be diligent in the spring and visit it every single day and watch for this insect. If the insect shows up, you're going to have to be right on top of soap spray or a jet spray out of your hose to knock them off. Otherwise, the plant is completely defoliated. One that I like the round ones, you know, like this the different shaped snowball. Yeah, so that's like a spring flowering snowball. The one that we're seeing now, of course, is the hydrangea. And hydrangeas, there's two well, kinds. I, I have, I know them. And, okay. And uh, but I was looking for you know for the white snowball, and uh, probably when you say it's a spring flowering one, it, how long do they last then? And Ah, it kind of depends on where you put them, what kind of spring we're having. They do last fair, a fair time, though. Um, they, uh, you know, like if it's a cool spring, like they're they're kind of a mid-spring flowering plant. Uh, I'm just double-checking now. Same plant here. Sure we are. Yeah. So it is hydrangea. Um, I, I love them, but... Be careful, like I said. Keep an eye on the jap for the um, for the viburnum leaf beetles. This is a thing with with the snowball in general. With that one, with the viburnum, absolutely yes. The other thing they bring to the garden is not only beautiful flowers and fruit; they also get gorgeous fall color. So you've got the red or burgundy leaves. So that you know, unlike a hydrangea that just gives you white flower or gives you red flowers and nothing else, the the Japanese snowball or the viburnum will give you beautiful, you know, beauty in multi seasons. So I highly recommend it, except like I said, it's you gotta keep okay. an eye on them because if well, the insect arrives are anyway. Yes, well I do tend to be out in the spring looking at everything. <laughs> Good. And Every day though. Every day. <laughs> Every day, wow! I, yeah. I commit myself to something, don't I? Anyway. There you go. But it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks so much for the call, there, Alice, and uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Sounds absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Okay, we uh, we have to take our next break, but we will be right back with much more right here on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, just as the man says, you do have The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, and I am aiding and abetting. I'm Dean Holland, and uh, we are going to go. uh, We've got a first-time caller on the line. We've got Nancy from Harrison. How are you this morning, Nancy? I'm good, thank you. Good. I would love to give you your garden wings, okay? There (laughs) There you are. You earned them. Yeah, welcome. Anyway, my question is, I was given an orchid this year, and um, it stopped blooming. The the leaves are still really green and firm, and it's in a three-inch pot. Is it advisable to transplant them or not? Eventually, yes. I guess the real question is, how crowded is it in that little three-inch pot? Is there room for more roots, or is it just solid mass of roots? 
Um, I think it's more like a solid mass. Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, like I said, eventually you're going to have to transplant it. Now is not the optimal time. It's better if you can wait till uh, January, February. But like if you have to do it, you have to do it. Make sure you're using the, like the right media. So there's different, there's bark, there's moss. Uh, one or the other is usually chosen as the media that you're going to plant into. No, no potting soil, of course, and very well-drained pots. There's special orchid pots out there uh, that, um, you know, can be quite useful or at least use a terracotta pot, something with lots and lots of drainage. Okay. And can you already buy that um, mix, pre-mixed? You the, can. You know, if you're ever able to go to uh, join an orchid society, of course, if you can wait till Valentine's Day, there's the famous Southern Ontario Orchid Society show every Valentine's mm-hmm. Day at the Toronto Botanical Gardens where you can get all the accessories you'd ever need. But you can perhaps buy online. Sometimes I've even seen, you know, orchid bark, orchid pots in places like Canadian Tire, Home Depot, that sort of thing. If they've got a little sort of a specialty area, you may have a garden center close by something that will you know be a little have a little better selection um Mm -hmm. but honestly i bet you i have an orchid right now it's in a three inch pot it's been in it for three years and i've been negligent to repot it so it but it's fine it's blooming right now as we speak this one just had two stems with flowers but um they you know the flowers have just all disappeared and yeah it will reflower Mm-hmm. It'll come back. Yeah, it'll come back. They they flower kind of sporadically on and off all winter. And any special fertilizer, or when is the right time to fertilize? Uh, I do. You can fertilize any time you want. Usually, I f- try to fertilize about once a month. But I do that by mixing orchid fertilizer into a pail of water, and then I dunk my orchids into that pail of water. Pot, oh. leaves, everything goes underwater, uh, and then it drains out, and they go back to where they belong. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Thanks for the call, Nancy. I want to go there. I want to go to the Orchid Show in February. Yeah, it's so beautiful, and it smells amazing. Yeah, I've heard you talk about it a few times, so I'm writing it on my calendar, because I think that would be... Be happy for us to come. Trust oh. me, Terry Kennedy, who's been on yeah. the show a number of times, she'd be happy for us to come. And yeah, Frank and I went a couple of times. I took yeah. my daughter one time. It's really, it's beautiful. Actually, your okay. daughter and wife would love it. Well, I'm in. I'm all in. Okay. okay. Now, right now, let's go to uh, Hamilton, though. We've got Sophie on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sophie. Yes, good morning, everyone. Hi, Charlie. Morning. I am calling about a waterfall orchid that I have. It's uh, five years old. It bloomed only once for me. I was so excited this year because I saw something coming up. And to my disappointment, I've got leaves and a root instead of a bloom. What is going on and what can I do? That's a little baby. So, so yes. it has sent a baby orchid off onto its own stem. So in the wild, I mean, you're obviously doing something right, because in the wild, that plant would very naturally, that's one of the ways that it uh, propagates itself. It sends mm-hmm. a little baby off. The little baby gets bigger and bigger, heavier and heavier. Eventually, it drops down to whatever surface the orchid is growing on, which is often in a tree or somewhere. And that little baby will just latch on to wherever it drops to. And then the umbilical cord is severed once the little baby has a stable location. So that's what you can do is you can start that. They call them pups, P 
pups or okay, pips? Okay, so can one I the, cut that other. part and replant it, or do I leave it alone for it to fall would, on its own, like you say? Yeah, you can you can leave it for a while, but eventually you're going to have to sever it from the mother and give it its own little pot. I see. Uh, would I be getting any more blooms? I hope so. <laughs> Are you too fertilized? I only have the one stem, and it's at the top where I had the original bloom, and now I'm cutting that part off. So um, I'm hoping that, I don't know, uh, the stem will be not as strong and not as long as it should be once I, I, I cut it. Um, so am I going to be lucky to have more blooms? Well, if you look at the stem where the flowers were, yes. as long as it's green, leave it alone. If okay. it's brown or starts turning brown and then starts turning black, then you have to cut it away. It just looks okay. silly and it's not alive. But as long as it's green, you could get flowers from that stem again. Uh, okay. In the meantime, do okay. what you're doing. So is Eastern it a good time now? You were talking about January, February uh, with uh, all, orchids. Yeah. So do I wait that, well, until then before I actually uh, transplant it? Or if plant you can. it in, an, in uh, the new growth? Yeah, if you can, wait till the days start to get longer. Right now, uh, we're going okay. into the darkest days of winter, and plants are shutting down. So we have to allow them to do that. We can't, uh, you know, sometimes we just have to keep them awake, and we use artificial, we use lights, we use fertilizer, just like the, the growers do, right? They've got mm -hmm. stuff growing all winter. But in our homes, unless you've got... Um, extra lighting, you know, you're on top of the fertilizer, allow the plants to just slow down for winter and they're going to perk right back up in the spring. Mm -hmm. Okie okay. doke. Um, okay. Wish me luck. So, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks for the call, Sophie. Sorry, got to go to, I think we lost Sophie, but we do I have to go to my uh, next break anyway yeah. and then we have yeah. some more callers on the line. So we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. And I was thinking during that break there, Charlie, that uh, Sophie from Hamilton, who we were speaking to, she's another one that needs to put that orchid show in February <laughs> on her calendar. I am so stoked already. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm there already. Right. Okay, we have a couple more gentlemen on the line, seems. Uh, we're going to Port Credit. We have a first-time caller. Uh, it's Bruno. Welcome to The Garden Show, Bruno. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I want to give you your garden wings, Bruno. There you go, oh, sir. Okay, you just made my day. There you <laughs> are. What do you got for Charlie there? Hey, so um, this might be more for an arborist, but Charlie, I'm hoping you can help me out. I'm calling about uh, trees that are planted too low. So I've come to learn through Google and all that stuff that's on the information stations these days that, uh, you know, you have to expose the root flare of the tree. And that's all well and good, but when I do that, now all of a sudden the base of my tree is lower than the grade, so now I'm creating these craters around my trees. So what I've done is I've put that black corrugated, otherwise known as reaper tile, around the root, and I've mulched it with stone around it with the, and this is the biggest concern, fabric cloth, the landscape fabric cloth around it as well, too. 
to keep the grate away from the root of the uh, the, the, the flare. And I, I don't know if I'm choking the tree with the, the landscape cloth. Um, tell me, what, what have I done wrong or what can I do here to correct this? Okay, so how long ago were the trees planted? Oh, these trees, okay, so um, there's a couple of them. They are, I'm going to call them maples. They're probably about 15, 16 feet long, and they, they uh, I'm, I, I did not plant them myself. Um, I'm, you know, um, I'm going to say maybe, you know, 10 years ago, if that. Yeah, right, because I was going to say, if it's only the last couple of years, two, three years, you could dig them up and reset them at a higher grade. So that oh. doesn't sound like a possibility. So, okay, help me understand. So you've taken the soil away. Now you've got a crater. Where did you put the fabric? Around the the, uh, the tree base, and, and then I mulched it with stone. Okay, so I'm not a fan of mulching any plants with stone because okay. of the weight. So remember, um, the roots of all plants, whether it's your lawn or your trees, any plants need air. The roots need air. So in order for them to get, obviously, moisture and nutrient and air, we've got to make sure that they are allowed, allowing that process to happen. Okay. Stone so is heavy. It's a three-inch river rock that I've used. It's not crushed mm -hmm. stone. Yeah, you know, I understand. But any, any, whether it's pea gravel, it's still heavy. And that puts weight on the uh, and compacts the roots and slows down the circulation of air. So I would be a bigger fan of a crushed bark rather than stone as a mulch around the trees. Okay. Uh, the fabric isn't – the only reason we use fabric is to try and control weeds from coming up and around our plants, from below right. particularly. So I don't know if you really need the fabric uh, unless you just say, well, but this is cleaner and neater with the, the fabric. It should be fine. Fabric allows the uh, moisture to go through, allows the circulation of air, etc. So you're mm -hmm. probably, you know, the, I wouldn't be too concerned about the fabric. And then you talked about the weeping tile, the black uh, corrugated, um, yeah, with the holes in it, uh, the four inch. Yeah, and that's outside the, of this whole move. thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you've done, and did you run into a lot of roots when you were digging that in? That, no, it's just basically sitting on top. Because I was mulching with the stone, I didn't want the stone to be sitting right up against the flare. And I did, you know, I, I'm trying to prevent this crater to go any lower than it is because I also right. believe that uh, that crater is going to attract more water than it should. And That's you know, right. Right. So that's why if you're going to use that black corrugated, um, what we call weeping tile, then you really need to get that below ground, actually below the, the root level so you need to get that stuff down around the roots like outside beyond the drip line um yeah uh you know a foot and a half down which is a huge amount of work but you know sometimes we do like grades change and beautiful old trees you know 100 year old oak tree but suddenly the construction is causing the grade to change and you will see stone which same idea it's just a way of holding the crater back from the stem of the tree so the wider you can make that crater the better and because that just allows the water to percolate down around the tree rather follow than the right at line. the stem of the tree follow the good okay. oak okay makes sense yep okay Thanks good very much. yeah Okay. Yeah, good Thank luck you. with that. That's yeah, it is frustrating because yeah, I mean, you want them to survive and you know that if they're too deep for too long that's it shortens their lives. Gotcha. Okay, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. Maybe Joe from London has a quick question. Welcome to the Garden Show, Joe. 
Yeah, I got a quick question. Good morning, Charlie. Um, morning. A rhododendrium. Rhododendrium. Yep. I've got a. I bought them in the August. Um, got them on sale naturally, <laughs> as I am. Um, uh, planted them in the garden. Uh, there. What should I do with them? I planted uh, them in, you when plant- I got them in August. Right. No, that's fine. Hopefully you planted them in a situation where they're going to get morning sun, but not afternoon sun. So eastern location, northeastern location, so eastern dappled north. light, brightness, but not hot afternoon sun. That will make a difference. Hopefully you planted them to a, into a very organic soil. Lots of peat moss, uh, lots of you know manure. Everything is nice and fertile, but well-drained. Yeah. And you will, in the future, look at the pH of the soil and start adding some soil acidifier, which is um, sulfur-based products, to sulfur. keep the pH low. But for the winter... Make sure they're well watered before winter sets in. And if they are going to be exposed to any sun or any wind, make sure that you've got some stakes staked in the ground and then burlap wrapped around the stakes to protect them from the wind. Is there anything else I can put in if I don't have burlap, like uh, leaves and all that, a lot of leaves in there? No, yeah, like that. but well, the leaves will probably blow away. That's the thing. It, it, and you would only worry about them if they're in a lot of wind or a lot of sun. That's what will kill rhododendrons in the winter. So thank you. Thanks for your call. Got to go. It's uh, The show is almost yeah. over. Thank you, Dean, so much. Appreciate all your, your thank you. <laughs> Batman. Always fun. Sorry, your Robin-like qualities. You and, got it. Uh, thanks, Carlos. And listen, you and I are in studio next week, so I'll we see you then and we'll see do. everybody else again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.